0: Is this the right one for an argument? I've told you once. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now? No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Didn't I? Didn't! I'm telling you, I did. You did not! I'm sorry, is this a five minute argument or the full half hour? Oh! Oh, just the five minute one. (laughs) Fine. Mm. Uh, Thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Now let's get one thing quite clear. I most definitely told you. You did not? Yes, I did. You did not? Yes, I did. Didn't? Yes, I did. Didn't? Yes, I did. No, yes, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is! You just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did! No, 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 no. You did, just no, then! No, 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 nonsense. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. You came here <laughs> for an argument. Well, an argument's not the same as contradiction. Can be. No, it can't. An argument is a collective series of statements to establish a definite proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It isn't just contradiction. Look, if I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. But it isn't just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. (laughs) Arguments are an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic game saying of anything the other person says. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, look, Thank you. (laughs)
1: Hello, Berts. That's our word brought to you by being a contrarian about contrarianism, and I am your host, Jim Jesus, and I am not with anybody today. Today is going to be a solo episode, as you probably could tell by the picture and the uh, and the title of this episode. Now, normally, what I do on every tw- uh, every multiple of twenty five episodes, I do a solo episode where I go and I start like debunking things like silly things that libertarians believe Uh, i did the jfk assassination and gmos and this last episode i did freemasonry and the denver airport conspiracies um and uh, i felt it was probably a better idea to bring on a guest who really knew what the hell he was talking about with freemasonry and and thankfully i did Uh, thank goodness i did because he really kind of you gave me a lot of information that I don't know if I could have pulled it up myself or I had the, the wherewithal to pull up myself. A lot of great stuff. Uh, so thank you, Larry, for coming on. But I also had people who were kind of like – Oh, it's not a solo episode, and you know, and I wasn't really talking much in it. A lot of the time, it was just me asking questions, getting answers, and then going okay, and then moving on to the next subject. And, and my commentary was very limited, if at all, um, on on most of the stuff. So there was a, there were some people who contacted me and was like, "Oh man, you know, solo episode," and um, also I've been getting some comments from. Uh, people who used to follow me on YouTube when I used to do a lot of just straight YouTube content that they missed me just talking by myself and they're not too interested in, in the podcast because I have guests on uh, and they much rather hear me just ramble on for whatever reason. Apparently, they just like me. Uh, so, I'm, I'm giving you what you want. Um, I, I'm, I'm really genuinely considering. Uh, Doing another side podcast, uh, much like uh, how there's Seeds of Liberty and then there's also Abolitionist Abstractions, which is like a separate podcast, but it's still in the main feed of the Seeds of Liberty podcast, uh, which is a great podcast. Go check them out. I'll put a link in the description if I can remember. In fact, I remember. Let's see. Put Seeds link. Put that in there. And I'm not typing on my uh, my mechanical keyboard, so you won't hear it. Uh, so I'm thinking about doing something like that where it's just a solo type thing. It's something I'm, I'm genuinely considering. I'm still kind of thinking about like how I could do it, how I could pull off the format, or if I just should include going back to like the YouTube video style and then including an audio version for the podcast. I don't know yet. Still thinking about it. Open to questions. Also... Um, Steve Miller Miller had sent me a couple of aprons for me to give out one. I bought, he gave me the other. So I have two aprons to give out. So there is a contest coming soon. As soon as I can think of a good idea, uh, for a contest, uh, as soon as I'll, I'll let you know when that happens, no Amazon uh, stuff again today, we're going to have a really long conversation about Amazon purchases the next episode. So I don't know, maybe, maybe if there's time left over, I'll pull it up and uh, we'll talk about it. We'll see. Again, this is not going to be an edited uh, podcast. I am not going to do any uh, multiple takes. Uh, I already did one take just because I, I, I flubbed the uh, the intro joke that, which by the way was a stolen joke anyway. Uh, so, <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, but so what? What the the, the real main reason why I am doing this? Um, at least this topic, I've already explained why I'm doing a a solo episode, but the main reason why I'm doing this topic is because in the future... Uh, very near future, I plan on starting an interview show, which will be in the in the feed of the Lullbirds feed as well. It'll be its own separate show, but it'll be just an interview show. It's going to have its own s- style, and and I'll, I'll make a separate feed for that as well. If people just want those, um, but for the most part, it'll it'll still be included with your with your free Lullbird subscription. <laughs> it'll still be there. And I wanted to kind of talk to a lot of people and 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 kind of spur a lot of kind of debate, not really so much debate, but just a discussion about some of the things that I disagree with with libertarians on, um, like a lot of libertarians in fact, most libertarians I bump into uh, there are major points of contention that I have. Um, Normally not with the outcome and we'll talk about the specifics and it's really important that you're not just getting kind of like when I say like I disagree with this, that you automatically assume that like I'm in the inverse position for that because I will be talking about the non-aggression principle. And anytime you say like, well, I don't agree with the non-aggression principle, the immediate like assumption a lot of people will make is that, well, then you must agree with uh, using force to achieve your political ends, which I don't. It's just uh, I just have some 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 problems with the with the principle itself, but the end goal i I pretty much agree with uh, with people on that, so it's very important that you pay attention to a lot of a lot of the things that I'm saying because there's there's very important details that you may be missing, and you're going to in, infer that I have uh, positions that I don't um. So, again, let me just say for the record that uh, I am what you would call an anarcho capitalist. I'm not a big fan of the term term capitalism, and we'll get into that because that's one of the point of contentions that I have, um, but uh, but f- just for the sake of just being able to explain to people what I am off the bat, it's a very useful term because a lot of people immediately know what it is and they understand the type of capitalism. Uh, unless you're like one of these people who are just like a far-left troll, uh, you really probably will understand what I'm talking about here. All right, but so before we get into any of this, I want to talk about contrarianism this is a term that constantly gets thrown out at me and f- and from what i understand the term contrarian means uh someone who just takes a contrarian position well, that, that's again kind the of tautology of defining something by defining it uh a, a contrary uh, a contrary opinion of of, of whatever group they, they're a part of uh or a position that's in odds with what the group is normally known for for advocating for example um Let's say if someone was on the uh, the socialist side of the spectrum, uh, they may you know just by them saying something like, "No, I, I agree that the type of capitalism libertarians want is radically different than what we one we have." Uh, and And gets upset when when socialists try to say that what we have now is the libertarian paradise, and a lot of people will get upset in those kind of circles because that little that little difference uh, <laughs> is is so problematic for them um, so and there's but there are people who, who go out of their way to try to find positions that don't really fit into kind of the group that they normally associate with just to be like an outlier, just to kind of troll or just to kind of spur debate or just to try to just to try to make themselves look cool because look at me, like I'm so much different. Um and there is some value in that. There is some value in, in people uh having positions That that, you know, kind of that they kind of run the gamut in any kind of group, Uh, even if they have this uh, very similar goals. It's it's kind of important to have this because at the end of the day, it's important to have these kinds of discussions. Is the NAP really a valid uh, axiomatic um, ethical prescription or is it just a rule of thumb? And the the debate needs to happen because if we're all just going to sit around circle jerking and never talking about this, we're going to be ill-equipped when someone actually does have a decent refutation of the non-aggression principle. And if we're basing our entire society off something that's so flimsy and we didn't realize how flimsy it was because we never talked about it, um, then, then it's important to kind of to, to hash this out now internally uh, rather than wait for a society to be built on it and have, an, uh, have it exploited or having someone who uh, may entirely take down an entire tradition just because of this one basic uh, kind of uh, philosophy. So, contrarians are kind of useful. I do not kind of I do not consider myself a contrarian, and as as the joke stated before that I stole from someone who didn't want, want to be named, um, not Cantwell, uh, but um, but apparently I am a contrarian about be uh, about being called an, a contrarian. Um, so there are a lot of positions, a lot of positions that I don't hold that many libertarians hold, and. I don't hold them because I find them to be like provocative or or like I want to be different or I'm trying to be that special snowflake or whatever. I would much rather it would be a lot easier for me to just agree with all of these positions that most libertarian have libertarians have and then not have to deal with any kind of conflict amongst my peers or have to you know just have a conversation with, with friends that that share my that similar perspectives, libertarianism, that is, and then automatically get thrown into like this very deep philosophical debate when I'm just trying to enjoy a pizza and a beer <laughs> at Aces and Ales. Uh, by the way, Aces and Ales uh, every third Monday. <laughs> I have to plug it. Lord, uh, Liberty on the rocks. Come check us out um was it 6:30 p.m. 6:30 p.m. every third monday aces and nails tinea not nellis so anyways it would make my life a whole lot easier if i just agreed with every libertarian that i came across instead of having a deep philosophical uh debate the reason why i end up holding these positions uh, is not because I am. It's not because I'm trying to be contrarian um, or be a contrarian about being contrarian. The 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 the, the point, the reason why I end up coming to these conclusions is because I'm always trying to test my ideas and trying to see. Anytime I'm interested in something, I'm always interested in the critiques of something, especially especially stuff that I'm interested in. So when I got interested in uh, libertarianism, I didn't do that as much. Um, But I was kind of bouncing it off my my liberal perspective, which I had at the time, and then I was trying to bounce it off of that, and then it just seemed to make more and more and more sense. But I never kind of... considered other types of arguments that are around that. So I'm very much interested in conservative criticisms of libertarians, of uh, anarcho-communist perspectives of libertarianisms, and Marxist perspectives of it, and getting an idea of what all of their criticisms are, and then trying to find truth in it, and trying to find whether or not these, these ideas are correct, or whether or not these ideas uh, fall flat. And, there's, and there's, there's kind of some that I've either... I don't I don't really know if I've completely changed position on it because even the stereotypical uh libertarian uh anarcho-capitalist I still agree with them on virtually everything. It's a lot of the time it's 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 some of the terminology or some of the axioms that they're using in order to explain things that I have uh, major disagreements with. Uh so yeah, again, I'm not trying I'm not trying to be a jerk here. This is just what what I what I what I feel. But anyways, yeah, the, the so I'm doing this uh mostly uh getting into getting into some of the things that I disagree with and I have I have a list in front of me and they and they span the gamut of very contentious to oh yeah, I can see where you're coming from, Jim, but I don't know if I agree. That kind of level of discourse uh to people sending me hate mail uh and possibly even death threats, but <laughs> so, <laughs> But, I, but I, I want this out there and this is uh, – and I want this out there so that way when I do have this interview show and I get guests on, I can always refer to them to this so they can get an understanding of where I am uh, philosophically, um, where I am uh, in terms of my political thought and everything so that they can get an idea of like what to talk about once they kind of get on and we can hash out different ideas. Um, Maybe to uh, maybe to your advantage, because there's nothing great than seeing a a fight, as I've learned with my podcast with MK Lords. <laughs> uh fight podcasts sell. Um, even if they're free. <clears throat> All right, so um I'm gonna start off with some of the more least contentious ones first. Um let's see. Let's go for um MRAs and and, and feminism. So uh, there is a tendency in libertarianism to um to to reject feminism and immediately hop onto the men's rights movement train. And I fell into this trap a while ago. And it mostly had to do with a lot of the things that were happening around the time of um ooh um it was atheism plus that's when i first started noticing this kind of wave of just insane political correctness and this this social justice activism that has just been like a, a pure cancer and attached to this this activity is this ideology called feminism right now i've been familiar with feminism being liberal but I was much more interested in the uh, kind of more mainstream milk toast version of it, where you know the most extreme example would be like the pay gap, but for the most part, it was just like don 't be a dick when you 're at work, treat women with respect when you know and not try to like hit on them when they 're at work okay they 're just trying to get their job done and collect a paycheck and go home and not deal with with uh, with with dudes at the office uh, trying to Trying to get in their pants all the time. It would be it's and and the perspective that I had on it was I worked with very gross and very unattractive women, and it would be a, much of a bother for me to come to work every day and see those women and and just know that as soon as I walk in those doors, they're going to be trying to like slap my butt or say, "Hey, baby, what's up? Like, what do you want to do afterwards? Like, ooh, I could lick you," and just that would really kind of gross me out. Um, I actually work. Today, I actually work um, in a facility where I deal with people who have dementia, All right, And it's not uncommon for a lot of the older women, being confused and all, for them to make very um, – uncomfortable advances at me and it's, it's kind of bizarre and it's very, it's very uncomfortable. Um, And I just try to like think of in terms of that when I, when I interact with women in a position where they don't really have too much of an option to just completely not talk to you because my coworkers are going to end up needing to talk to me. They're going to need help doing something or they need to pass work on to me that, you know, that belongs to me or whatever. And I always kind of feel like you know the workplace is kind of off limits, <laughs> completely off limits. I've I've had one exception, but that was a very notable exception with some very important differences. And I wasn't me initiating uh, this this uh, this 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 kind of relationship that I had. Uh, but that, that that's an a extreme outlier, and I and I don't expect something like that to be happening anytime anytime sooner. And I always kind of took that approach. So that, that was always kind of like my, my kind of view of feminism uh, when I was a part of it. Now, when the social justice warrior activism came on, like I had a complete like reactionary response to it. And my reactionary response was to to get on board with the the, the men's rights movement, because a lot of the things that they advocate for make a whole lot of sense. the The, 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 the criminal justice system is is uh, definitely biased towards women um, advertising it seems as though that kind of trend is kind of is kind of left but it's it's still kind of there in like certain sitcom style television shows uh, where men are stupid and they can't do anything by themselves you know that's why they need a woman to make sure that they can you know they can manage to cook an egg in fact there was a, a, a campaign for a while that that Carls jr used to do where it was basically like without us, some guys would starve uh and that was that was really kind of tacky for a while and I was always thinking like what if they had like um uh, you know like a, a a commercial for something and they, and they insulted women by saying like you know like um I don't know, like a, you know, like a Hoover vac. I think the one example that I heard from it was Tom Likas was like, well, "Can you imagine if uh, if they had like a Hoover vacuum commercial and says like, if 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 you know if only your girlfriend could suck like this or something, it, you know, people they, people would be up and uh, up in arms." But apparently, there was a big pushback against that, and uh, Carl Junior ended up firing their their ad. Um, their ad company at the time over this uh, because there was such a amount a uh, big amount of pushback and a lot of advertisers are have dumped this idea that you know you need to insult men in order to advertise them advertise to them because you know Carl's Junior is basically mostly uh, that's that's a guy restaurant for the most part <laughs> uh, anyways so. You know that, that was that was always kind of that always kind of bothered me at the same time. So, anyways, so I, I kind of got on board with the MRA type stuff, and then I immediately noticed the major, major problems with these with these people. Um, a lot of the people in the the men's rights movement, um, MGTOW movement, as well, a lot of these people are are extremely toxic people. Um, and I remember the the moment that it really. Occurred Occurred to me it was it was, it almost took like a couple of weeks when I started like looking at like criticisms of feminisms from the MRA perspective and I ended up posting this picture on Facebook or this video on Facebook rather and it was good like I remember watching it and I was like oh this is good and I got like halfway through the video and I was like this is probably worth sharing and so I shared the video before I finished watching it as it was still playing. And there was a there was then then it went from like like look at all these women hitting guys isn't it terrible that it's socially acceptable for women to hit guys and I was like yeah that that's you know that that is that is that is bad and then it, then it went into immediately advocating for if if girl hits a girl hits you punches punch her back and I was like whoa what am I associating myself with and the more I kind of looked into it the more I kind of became you know, like, all right, screw, screw this, this movement. Um, but I do, I do find some value in some of the MRA stuff. Um, and I always tell people like, it's, it's kind of the Arini argument, I guess, uh, is that, uh, that I'm a MGTOW on paper. Uh, but I, I definitely don't want to associate with any of those fucking lunatics, uh, for sure. Uh, in the MGTOW movement, you know, I, I, i've been voluntarily single for for quite quite some time um and i'm enjoying it and i, I don't really see myself uh getting in myself into a committed relationship right i i, I like having uh friends um, i like having uh i like having um you know like strangers and all that sort of stuff. I I, I much prefer that. I don't have to deal with, with things like Christmas and, and, and Valentine's day and meeting the folks and, um, nagging and, and all this stuff. I just don't have to deal with it. They don't have to deal with my crap. It's perfect. We're both happy at the end of the day. Um, but I just don't like the movement. <laughs> it, I don't think it needs to be a movement, Much much like I don't want to have kids, but I don't see myself joining like the child free movement and trying to encourage people to stop h- having so many gosh darn kids. Like it doesn't matter to me. If you want to have kids, that's great. I don't want them because they're sticky and they ask too many questions, man, the greens. I wish the greens would come back. I really do. I miss them. Um, so yeah, like, so there's there's some things that I that I agree with feminism uh, for sure. I would definitely not call myself a feminist. I have I have lots of problems with with the overall ideology, especially with the concept of intersectionality and the and 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 I disagreed with what I thought intersectionality was until it was explained to me, and I was like, oh, well that's even worse. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not a big fan of, of 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 putting people into groups and then judging them associated and judging them based on what kind of groups they associate with either voluntary or involuntary. I like to judge people based on the uh, the individual themselves and, and not part of any kind of group. Um, and I noticed that a lot of libertarians kind of fall into the m r a camp in the, or the extreme anti feminism camp I am neither and it's not i'm not trying to take like a i'm not trying to appeal to the middle road here i'm really not i'm not trying to be a contrarian I just see a lot of problems with both and I'd much rather deal with the with the issues individually uh when they come across uh so yeah the wage gap thing absolute nonsense um but you know there there is a lot to say about how men treat women in in various social uh functions um, and i 've talked with talked about this uh in depth with m k before uh, so if you really want to listen to it because I think we actually did it on the, on the last podcast which was uh seventy four um, the inter Intergender Debate Championship. Um, after after I yelled, yelled at her for her article, we ended up talking about a lot of things we agreed with. And also she did an Iconostasis episode with us, and I think we may have talked about it. It's been a while since that happened, and I tend not to uh, to listen to uh, a lot of podcasts that, that I appear in, even though I really try. And when I do, I end up liking it. But I think we ended up – yeah, I think we did talk about that. So I'll, I'll put a link to that as well. Iconosass. All right. So, yeah, that pretty much sums up. I mean, that's probably the one of the least contentious uh, thing. And I'm trying to trying to put all of these in a hierarchy. And we, we all know if you, if you listen to my Patreon content, how, how bad I am with putting putting topics in a hierarchy, <laughs> especially after last night. Um I'm trying to put them in somewhat of a hierarchy in in terms of what I find to be, like, the least contentious to the most contentious. Uh, So we got the MRA stuff out of the way. Um, Hmm. Yeah. So let's let's go with Epicureanism, because a lot of libertarians are really on the – they're really on the stoic train, and – i'm I, I i'm not really interested in stoicism um i know one of my co-hosts nick hazelton uh, is really into stoicism which is fine uh i'm, I'm not completely against Sto- stoicism i just don't find it particularly valid for me um I, i've been much more on the epicurean train um i i Got familiar with this through a guy named Brian Sovereign, who, who by the way, is absolutely terrible. Don't go listen to his show, Sovereign Tech. I think he's actually like a Sovereign Citizen guy. Um, I'm kidding. It's actually a great show. Go check him out. Uh, but he, uh, he, he did this. Um, he, he's he's talked about uh, you know like hedonism and Epicureanism, like here and there, but never really in depth until I heard him and Nick. Uh, kind of, it wasn't really a debate so much as it was an exploratory expl. Expletor- expl- Exposition i don't know of, of what they kind of believed, and they kind of had a really interesting discussion about it and I was like, hedonism makes a whole lot more sense and I was always under the the, the false impression that hedonism uh, is where where it was like you know the fat guy laying on on the uh, on the winter bed and getting fed you know grapes by by, by nude women uh, half, half nude women in togas. And just you know, like you know, eating like giant legs of turkey and laughing at all the peasants as they're they're, they're <laughs> rolling around in, in poverty. That's what it always might have been my opinion. It's basically the Futurama guy, uh, the future, the hedonism bot from from Futurama. That's kind of the perspective I had of hedonism, uh, which is what most libertarians view as hedonism, but it's not really until you kind of look into what hedonism is that you kind of go like, Oh, well, that makes sense. It's kind of like when, when a socialist first kind of comes in contact with, with Rand, uh, how they go like selfishness. That sounds terrible. I don't even want to entertain such an idea. How could people be interested in selfishness? Uh, but then when you understand the, the kind of concept of selfishness and, or her definition of selfishness that you start going like, Oh, Okay, that makes a whole lot more sense. Um, so there's things in Stoicism that, that that I find valuable, but I think there's the the stuff that I find valuable in in Epicureanism is something that I, I find much more valuable and has some odds uh, with it. And Epicureanism, I think, is far more valuable to people, and that is basically the pursuit of pleasure. Now, I asked. Or basically like how to improve your life or how to how to live ethically or and depending on what kind of hedonism you're talking about, ethical hedonism or whatever, um, is basically the idea that you want to achieve the most amount of pleasure in your life as, as, as possible. Now, again uh, – now, I asked Michael Malice – he did a live stream the other day and I asked him because I was just kind of curious because I know that he used to put like little devil horns in his hair and whatever – and i was like you know epicureanism or stoicism and he was like wow that is a great question and he said something uh that kind of that was like oh this 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 explains everything perfectly he said that people view uh hedonism b- with crack orgies <laughs> But it should be more associated with something like Martha Stewart, because Martha Stewart, what does she want? What does she what does she do for pleasure? Well, she makes sandwiches and she talks to her friends and she keeps her house clean. And that's what makes her happy. That's what brings her pleasure. And I was like that. That's fucking perfect. I, I don't think I could have said that any better myself. Uh, so thank you for that, Michael Malice, because I know he gets really upset if you steal his ideas because of my IP. Um anyways uh, he uh, he yeah he summed it up pretty well, and I thought that was absolutely perfect um, and if you If you think about it in terms of well what would make you more happy is to treat everyone like crap for your benefit by defrauding people and then turning people off to you then then that wouldn 't make you very happy in the long run it would it would It would work out for in the short run, but after a while, things would start catching up to you uh really quickly. You would either get apprehended by law enforcement agencies uh, you know uh, you would uh you know be be shunned by people you love and care uh, care for um you would be known as disreputable people wouldn 't want to do business with you um, et cetera et cetera et cetera and it would be very hard to function and, and to keep up that lifestyle. It just wouldn't work. But if you if you're genuinely kind to people, and if you if you and you're kind to people because it brings you value uh, in the long term, and that brings you pl- pleasure in the long term, then then it's all going to work out long term. You know, like I as as much as as much as people accuse me of being a sociopath, I guess I'm not a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, as much as people kind of confuse me being like socially awkward, and um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm really, I'm my my level of empathy. Is below average. It's not. It's not gone. I just I end up not kind of caring about a lot of things, and it's probably because like there was a time in my life where a lot of things were happening, bad things were happening with friends and uh, whatever, and rapid succession, uh, and, and um and. Uh, it really kind of cut my ability to kind of empathize with people. And it's also it's also been kind of dampering. Anytime I had a girlfriend uh when after this happened as well, it was really hard for me to have like really strong feelings. Um and I just and that was probably one of the reasons why I kind of gave up uh uh exclusive relationships. Um but um yeah, um but you know even still, it still brings me a, a certain level of joy to make sure that people that I care about and people who are in my life are happy and happy with me. And I like to do things for them. And in the end, it's nice because I I can always count on them. Um, you know, when things suck for me, to kind of always reach out, uh, reach out. Like I was just recently in a car accident, and it felt really good when a lot of people reached out and said. Oh, my goodness, I'm glad to hear that you're okay, Jim. Thank you. That really means a lot. Like, it really does mean a lot. And I know that I would not get that response had not I also reached out when uh, either, you know, they had questions or they just wanted someone to talk to or maybe they had problems themselves. And I was really kind of, you know, extending my empathy as far as it could go um because i knew that in the end like it it was it was it was, it was a value um so that's kind of where i stand on epicureanism i think i th- find that much more valuable in, uh, than stoicism uh, especially the kind of the idea where you're just always assuming the worst uh, <laughs> i r- really don't find that to be very valuable <laughs> where you're just constantly like oh i have a lump that must be cancer i i really just i just don't like that kind of <laughs> Like, I am. I'm a bit of a pessimist. I'll admit it. Uh, but that's too much. That's just way too much. That's just way too much on the pessimism side for me. Um, so be glad we got that one out of the way. Um, well, I can't believe I have like two similar topics, but those are definitely going to save to the end because that's going to be uh, really bad. Um, let's talk about segregation. <laughs> Now, you're going to immediately think, like, whoa, you disagree with libertarians on so, uh, segregation? Wait, wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Um, I, I'm not I'm not going far left, and I'm not going far right. I uh, think there's a good balance that I'm working out here. And again, I'm not appealing to the middle ground. A lot of things in the middle ground are just terrible. Uh, <laughs> they're even worse than the polar opposites of that. Um, so... There's been a lot of talk with about segregation, especially with their kind of quote unquote rise of the alt right. I wouldn't even call it that. They're basically just the media media's whipping boy. Um, and that's the only reason why they get any press. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're they're a fringe group within a fringe group i mean they're are more fringe than than most fringe groups uh and i, I and no one takes them seriously, and that 's why I haven 't been talking about it recently um and even next time I have met on chances of that coming back up none um because you can you can count them on your fingers there there's none of them there uh anyways that's besides the point, but you know there there is some 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 really interesting kind of conversations around some of the things that they brought up uh even in the circles of people who I would normally agree with on stuff like this that I completely disagree. Um, For me, for me personally, do I find it ethical? Well, no, I'm not really interested in like morals anyway. All right. I'm not really interested in in moralizing um, and saying like this is objectively moral to, you know, or immoral to to exclude people based on the color of their skin. I'm not going to go that far. Um, I find it distasteful Uh, it's not very preferable to me I you know I like not everybody looking the same it's just uh, whatever Um, but there is a part of me and it's 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 unfortunate and it's unnatural and, and you can try to fight it all you want, but there is a tendency that if you are in a group where people are not what you would consider peers, and there's a list of things that people use like different qualifiers and people, it's just subconscious that people have been, it's kind of bred into biology um, that, you know, you start kind of having reduced trust levels when you're in particular situations. So like if I'm hanging out with a bunch of white guys at a libertarian group, uh, then you know, like they're they're all males. They're they're usually all white. They all we all have the same kind of idea. We're all alcohol drinkers. These are like things that you know we all have have some sort of bonding thing, uh, right? This is some sort of like whatever. Now if now if I go to a, an R and B show. Um, that's going to be a completely different situation because the, I, you know, I'm not going to – chances are most of the people there are not going to be white. The chances are they're not going to be males. Uh, the chances are they're not going to be um, – it's not going to be over music that I'm interested in. And a lot of times they're probably doing things that I'm not particularly fond of um, like drinking certain types of alcohols that I don't like or doing drugs that I don't particularly like, which I'm not passing any judgment on. I'm just saying like – all of these factors, I'm not going to see uh, things in common where I would where I would consider people to be peers. That said, I still do want to live in a uh, kind of an ethnically diverse uh, uh, area, um, and I and I do enjoy having friends of, of all different kind of whatever, but at the same time, um, I can see why some people have a stronger preference for this than, than, than I do, even though my preference is very, 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 very mild, uh, to be with quote unquote peers. Um, um, so that being said, like I'm, I'm not passing judgment either way. Um, I will say that it, it is, it is, it is, um, concerning I guess would be the word that you know people would you know like see see something on the news right um And then immediately go, like, I bet Jews were behind this. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this dude's insane. Get this guy the fuck away from me. Or if, you know, if I'm hanging out with someone and they seem like a really cool guy and then there's something on the news where like, oh, you know, like we had a robbery on whatever street and here are the suspects and, you know, they're African American and they're like, you know what? I'm telling you, we never should have got rid of slavery or, or segregation or whatever. Then that, that it's like, whoa, all right, that's not the kind of person that I want to hang out with. It's really not. Um, however, this is where I disagree with 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 a lot of libertarians. I don't really give a shit if someone wants to start a uh, a like a like a township in an, in a theoretical anarchist society where they don't want to allow people of a certain race. I don't want to live there. I'm not interested in living there. Chances are I'm not gonna like anybody who does live there. <laughs> Probably not. Um, but I have no I have no moral qualms with it, also because and we'll get into the moral thing in just a bit. I don't I don't I don't really accept morality, quote unquote, as an actual thing. But um if someone wants to go off and do that thing, hey, if 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 And I'm going to put it in 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 case you're unless you're if you're getting upset by this let me let me explain it to you if a bunch of racists wants to wants to get out of society and go go live somewhere else why would you want to stop them why would you insist that they (laughs) that they that they live in 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 a more quote unquote enlightened world right Um, I don't know why people are so insistent on forcing racist people to interact with people that they don't like. Especially if they want to get up and leave if if they're one of these people who want to start like a hit. there was a um, there was an interesting documentary that I saw with because Michael W. Dean had told me to watch it because we were going to talk about it and it was actually good and it was basically like a bunch of Nazis like actual Nazis swastika wearing and everything uh, decided that they were going to move to this town. And I don't remember what, it it's probably in one of the Dakotas or one of the, one of the flyover States in the North. Uh, they decided that they were going to move to this town where there was only one black person that lived in this whole entire town. And they were going to kind of create an all white society. And they were going to drive this one black guy out and uh, it caused a big stink. And yeah, that whole thing about, like, them going in and, and disrupt, disrupting the town meetings and, and, and fucking with this poor guy just because he was black. Yeah, that was all bad. But if they were to find some place in the middle of nowhere where no one lives and build their own little town and say, like, we don't want black people here, I don't have a problem with that. In fact, I'd much rather you go and, and build that perfect whoat society so that I don't have to fucking deal with you anymore. And I don't have to hear about you complaining on the fucking Internet anymore that, you know, the Jews are taking over. Uh just just go away. Just take your stuff and go away. Um, so yeah, I I have no problem with that. And I think I think a lot of libertarians like would, would get upset when they when they hear that. Um and they also would probably and the other side would probably get upset uh as well. I think I don't think I don't think I have any friends here. <laughs> I really don't think I have any friends here. It's usually you have to be like it's wrong for anybody to exclude people based on the, uh, on the races and you must fight against it at all costs. Or you're a cuck for, for wanting to, to hang out with darkies. I, 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 there's, apparently, there's no middle ground in libertarianism anymore. And it's, it's kind of annoying. And uh, I, th- I think deep down inside, a lot of people would agree with what my positions. They just seem not to talk about it. And the people who do want to talk about it are usually the extremes of either side. Um, so that's why I'm putting it a little bit uh, down on my list for comparison. So you can kind of tell, like, maybe or maybe this maybe this is a sign of things to come. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I guess I should talk about capitalism next, because I think that's that one's pretty easy compared to some of the ones that are coming up next. Some of these are really fucking contentious, um, especially this last one. And I'm looking at it like, yeah, there's I'm getting hate mail for this one. Um So let's talk about capitalism. I am not a fan of the term capitalism, uh, and I have not been a fan of the word capitalism for quite some time. Once I started figuring out what capitalism means, where the term came from and how it is used today. And I think that when we're talking about language, it's important to kind of take into account how people are using the the word today properly. Properly, and I don't I don't consider literally Hitler to be uh, right unless you're literally talking about Hitler, literally talking about Hitler. Not not Richard Spencer. Uh, He's literally not Hitler. Uh, You you get what I'm saying. But anyways, the the term capitalism was um, it wasn't exactly thought up by Marx. It wasn't coined by Marx, but it sort of was. It was actually coined by the people who were translating. Uh, his work over into english and he had a very specific definition of capitalism when he was criticizing capitalism he was not criticizing laissez-faire kind of free markets in terms of capitalism what he was talking about was the status quo at the time which is very not too not too different than you know statist capitalism that we that we have today and that is you know where there's basically kind of like f- levels of 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 liberalism in the marketplace but at the same time there are still elements of of corporatism uh, fascism and uh you know the 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 state kind of kind of working in the in the interests of certain uh in certain interests of certain capitalists and you know and creating regulatory hurdles in that place and um you know getting a pass on 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 very exploitative uh, labor um especially at the time because at the time there was some pretty nasty things going on but hey what was going on before that was far far worse and so that was considered an upgrade uh but it, you know once once material conditions come to be so so well then it's so, then that's when people have moral outrages people had no problem with child labor up until like the 1800s, when we actually had the material means to to, 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 to be okay with or to, to have the material means for children not to starve in the street and also not work, that's when it started being like, "Well, we can't allow the children to work in these factories. Well, why not? They have been working there their, you know they've been working in the fields for their entire life, and it's much safer for them to work in a factory than it is to, for them to work um, subsistence farming. Or prostituting for even worse, Um, but anyways, I'm getting off topic. So, so the term capitalism, he was talking about a specific type of 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 economic system that was very prevalent in his day. And sure, you could extend those. He probably would extend some some of those criticisms over to uh, you know more kind of liberalized markets. But for the most part. His criticism of capitalism, Das Kapital, was a criticism of what we would consider to be capitalism today. Now, of course, he got some some predictions very, very fucking wrong, uh, both in, in terms of capitalism and communism. He got some very, very problematic ones done. But it, it's hard to talk to people about capitalism and and um, and expect them to be on board when the term capitalism is inherently a – a word that was designed to be a pejorative against a a, a, a specific um, a specific ideology that has really terrible flaws with it. That I think libertarians would agree that the current state of quote unquote capitalism or even capitalism back in the eighteen hundreds there were some major fucking problems with it. And when when people say like, well, I'm a capitalist, I think that that that's that's giving and they're not talking about like what we have now, what they're, what they're talking about is, you know, a theoretical free market. That's, that's a big problem because now you're ended up having to defend what we have now instead of what you want. And what you want is very different from what we have now. Otherwise you wouldn't be fighting for it if you already have it, right? You'd be just fighting to preserve it. Um, So I I try not to to use the term capitalism, uh, especially when I'm talking to people who are socialists or on the left. Mostly because when when you talk to them, they're going to immediately assume that you're talking about what we have today, and then the argument's going to turn into that. In fact, every time I've seen a debate between a a capitalist and a a quote unquote capitalist and and a Marxist or a, a communist the the first thing that they always going to want to do is try to define terms and the first term they try to define is capitalism and it's usually by a definition that the person who is usually on the capitalist side to just go like, well, I don't, I don't accept that definition. Why not just accept the definition because that is the definition and then just say like, okay, well, let's just use the more accurate term for what we're talking about since capitalism is, is basically an umbrella term for a lot of different things, which may not even include free markets. Um, and just say like, okay, well, I don't advocate that. I advocate for a laissez-faire market or I advocate for a liberalized market now you're putting them at a disadvantage because you now you can actually argue the ideas and not have to argue against this thing that uh, that that Marx was arguing against in Das Kapital which you don't support i think that's kind of important uh so that's why i kind of not tried not to use the quote unquote capitalist label but if if someone wants to know what i am and i i have a feeling that they kind of understand you know political I uh, political thought a little bit. And I know that if I say like, well, I'm an AnCap," that would give them enough information of where I would stand, uh, you know, in two words, uh, if they want me to elaborate, I, I can elaborate a whole lot more, which I am going to be doing here. <laughs> but for the most part, um, I, um, or oh, I didn't talk about that topic yet. What am I marking it? I think, I think it's kind of important to kind of stay away from that term. Um, especially, um, Especially if it's just going to be used against me. All right. Yeah, sorry. I know how much you guys like to complain about my nicotine breaks, but I'm able to pause it now. (laughs) So, anyways, um, so moving along. Speaking of capitalism, let's talk about Austrian economics. I am not an Austrian. Um when I first got into libertarianism, um, I was more interested into the Chicago School of Thought, and that's because I was a mini-statist, and that was kind of more of appealing at the time, because like Milton Friedman was one of the more known people. Remember, this was before Ron Paul. Well, Ron Paul was in Congress, and I knew who he was, but... You know, and I, I know that he that he given some some interesting speeches here and there that were available on YouTube, but for the most part, he was virtually a nobody to to most people, except for people who are really in the know in libertarianism, uh, who are or in the academic kind of kind of people who read a lot of Mises and stuff, which was not a lot of people. Even a lot of libertarians were like, "Ah, oh, academic stuff is too much." <laughs> Excuse me. So I was I was more interested in that for a while. And then I ended up uh getting a hold of the Libertarian Manifesto, uh A.K.A. or actually it's it's for a new liberty, A.K.A. uh the Libertarian Manifesto. And I and I thought just by the title of the Libertarian Manifesto that this guy, whoever this guy is, Rothbard, whatever that's what I thought at the time. Uh, I don't know who this guy is, but he definitely wrote the manifesto on libertarianism. Apparently, this is going to be a manifesto for uh, a smaller, restrained government. And I used to think people like Ian on Free Talk Live was a complete fucking moron for thinking um, for thinking uh, anarchism, uh, you know, was a good idea. Like that—that's a terrible idea. What, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, but I started reading this book, and the way kind of Rothbard writes it, you don't really—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's kind of alluded to at first, but you you kind of forget it. You're just like, oh, okay, whatever. And then you start kind of going through the chapters. and You're like, okay, I agree with that. You know, being a mini statist, you'd be like, I agree with this. I agree with that. I agree with that. Oh, that's kind of interesting. I never thought about that. Well, I guess you—I guess the free market can handle that. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay, I guess the free market could handle that too. I don't know about this. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well, I guess the government still needs to do roads and courts, right? Oh, there's chapters on that, too. You fucker. Uh, <laughs> and then by the end of the book, I was like, okay, yeah, the um, state sucks. And then I kind of got more interested in Rothbard, and that kind of led to a bunch of other kind of uh, Austrian thinkers. Uh, And eventually I read human action and I was like, this, this makes a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense to test things against empiricism uh, at all, because there's a lot of flaws in, in, in gathering your ideas from empiricism. And there are some flaws. There's definitely some flaws. And, I was like this is, this doesn't make a, make a whole lot of make a whole lot of sense for people to gather their ideas this way but I think Mises was right. I think Mises was definitely right. You have to start from first principles and build off of that. Um and I thought and I was very very interested in that. I read right afterwards Man, Economy and State and it was like this is the greatest shit ever. Uh <laughs> like I was I was hooked on it. Hooked, hooked, hooked. Um and then I started becoming dissuaded by some of the the kind of f- things that were happening, and, and mostly because I read an article. I first read an article uh, called "Why I'm Why I'm Not an Austrian," I think that was called, and I'll post a link. Um, Kaplan by Brian Kaplan, um, and he basically talks about some of his criticisms with um, with Austrianism. And, I, and when I first read this, I was like, "This is this is tr- trash." And then, like, I, I remember saying it to someone, and they were like, I don't even remember who it was. Oh, my goodness. And they were like – and then, you know, they kind of pushed back a little bit. And I was like, huh, maybe I should give this another read and just to see, see what it's all about. And I became pretty much persuaded by this. Uh, I read Walter Block's response and then Kaplan's uh, response to that as well. And so I got I saw I saw the, the whole exchange with it, and I, I really kind of ended up being like, hashtag Brian Kaplan. And – That eventually kind of led me uh, to a book that um, my boss – one time my boss, a libertarian, uh, was recommending me um, The Machinery of Freedom. And I was like – I've kind of already read like Introduction to Libertarianism books. I'm not interested in reading another one. And it kind of led me to, to kind of be like interested in that kind of field. Because David Friedman is is a much different thinker, a different thinker, and I didn't know that at the time. I thought he was just another Austrian. I figured like all all libertarians were Austrians, but I was wrong. Uh, or all anarchists were Austrians. All Chicago's were mini statists, and that's not true. There's a lot of crossover on both sides. most Austrians are actually mini statists. Uh, most most Chicago's are mini statists too. There's there's actually some fairly conservative types quote-unquote, smaller government, but they're really not, um, that are Chicago school people. But there are some ANCAPs in there as well, probably less, far less so than, than, than Austrians. Um, but anyway, but I was much more interested in the idea that, yeah, you can't – and, and kind of Friedman's kind of perspective was, look, you can't go out and – Try to gather, the, uh, you know, kind of have like a theory on policy based on ideas that you're getting from empiricism. And, and, and Mises was right uh, in that respect. Because if you say, because there's no way that you can take d- data. Economic data, and say, well, this thing happens when we do this, and this thing happens when we do that, because every single point in time, there's different trends that are happening. Um, there's other policies that are affecting that, uh, that affecting uh, what outcomes should be coming from other policies, and. And all the millions and billions of different variables make it nearly impossible for you to come up with a, with a cogent kind of uh, explanation of things. Uh, at the same time, I think he was also correct in critiquing uh, Mises by kind of being pure a priori reasoning. Taking a pure a priori reasoning approach and saying, well, yeah, sure, you can work off first principles and everything. But at the same time, you can have things that are logically consistent that are that just don't work in reality. Completely, just do not work in reality. And uh, a good example of this is is you know mathematics and. Uh, Euclidean geometry. Uh, Euclidean geometry. Again, it's math is one of those things that it follows first principles. Uh, it follows a logical deduction. But at the same time, you can test it against the real world. But that doesn't matter because it's all about what, what the logic is, and it just does play out in real world. Unfortunately, Euclidean geometry, while that applies in every respect on everything that we understand, uh, going around, just going walking around, there are definitely parts of this universe that. That break Euclidean geometries philosophy like uh, ideas all the way down it just doesn't apply and it's always good to say like okay we have this internally consistent kind of uh, understanding of the way economics works so let's say like we have we have Let's, now we can say like okay, so we understand this principle. So if the government enacts some sort of policy, we can expect something to happen, and then you can look at the data when it when they do that, and say like okay, so we have some kind of some kind of real world backing to it. But again, you should not put a lot of emphasis on that that empirical uh, evidence. But at the same time, you shouldn't uh, automatically put you know uh, the 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 pure the pure reason approach um you can't put the pure reason kind of uh, th- uh, uh approach as well because you can run into some flaws for example there are lots of ideologies in fact libertarianism is is a, a lot of libertarians believe this and I, I talked about this in a patreon episode yesterday um the libertarians belie- believe that they have like uh that you know like that the they are the only ideology that has any sort of logical consistency that comes from first principles. No, there are lots of them and it 's not even ideologies like there 's just just you know just different types of like um, p- uh, philosophical thought uh, different types of ethical thought there 's different types of you know and, and on top of that there 's ideological thought religious thought that all you know there 's different things that people that people take for advantage that follow from first principles and build and build upon top of those that are internally consistent and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that when you put them into practice in the real world, fucking suck and they don't work every single time. And I would even argue that, in fact, a lot of communist thought, at least modern communist thought, I think Marx was definitely had some some inconsistencies, but there's a lot of of uh, of modern Marxist thought that is that comes from their first principles, builds upon it internally consistent in everything, and we all know how that worked out every single time. Um, So it's important to say, okay, so we have this thing that came from first principles um, and we built upon them through logic to find out what the truth is. Now let's see if this applies in real world to stand because we can pretend to have like this perfect theoretical system, but, it, but if we put it in place and it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. It really does not matter if, if our logic was perfect. It didn't work. Um, especially with something as, as, as complex as the uh, the quote-unquote dismal sciences, uh, such as economics. Um. And oops, I'm locked out of my list now. <laughs> so, the, so that's that's kind of why I'm I'm much more in, into the Chicago school and and maybe some of the neoclassical n- asterisk um, uh, kind of thoughts. But at, at the, for the most part, I, I kind of reject. Um, I reject. I re- I, re- I reject the the Austrian notion that you you, you that any any type of empiric uh, empirical checks on the on these ideas should just be disregarded as just oh that's just economic history. No, I think it's important to to bring into the conversation to talk about whether or not these ideas are are uh, are, are even worth it. All right, so um, <clears throat> oh boy, now, this one's a tough one to choose. <laughs> Um, so, hmm, let's, let's, okay, let's talk about progressive rock. <laughs> Libertarians love them some dad rock. Uh, I will not go as so far as to say I do not. I very much do like some, uh, in fact, I, I got a pink Floyd flag hanging over my head. Like my mother for, for a birthday gift, she does quilts, quilted me a fucking quilt and it took her like it sent like it, you would seem they would think that it's easy to do but apparently it was actually a, a a a great feat um for her to to make a quilt with the with the dark side of the moon album cover as 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 a as a quilt um, i have lots i have i have rush i have pink floyd uh i have all all kinds of different um uh progressive rock albums in my collection in my in my vinyl collection i- i collect vinyl in case you haven't figured that part out yet um i i i love progressive rock i i think i find it vi- very influential and i especially love derivatives uh and precursors as well so stuff like psychedelic rock i'm a big fan of i also like progressive metal and math rock and and all that sort of stuff i'm very much for that, but people put this stuff on there on their people people try to act like this if you listen to Rush that you have found the golden like that you have found the holy grail that no one really knows about that's a top that's that it's completely top secret and only the in crowd knows about it and once you figure it out man you're 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 in man you're in the secret club that no one knows about I hate to fucking break it to you but that is not fucking true um In fact, I'm going to link an article uh, to a blog post that I did, and I really need to start writing blogs again. But uh, I did a blog post um, on my birthday. It was actually my birthday. I wrote a, I wrote a blog post for my birthday, and it was entitled Celebritarians, No One Gives a Fuck About Your Goddamn Dad Rock. And the premise of this article is, look, I can appreciate progressive rock. I can. But you're making it way the fuck overrated. And... I I can't listen to it anymore. It's, it's becoming it's getting to the point where I'm so burnt out on it because people are constantly wanting to play it all the time. And it's not just celebritarians. This is not any kind of s- uh, secret that's that's being held back by the mainstream. Very much. Not so this stuff is in major motion. Pic- I I saw Thor Ragnarok. Right. And they played like the immigrant song like three times in that movie or something. It's it's not it's not anything. It's not it's not it's not some sort of secret sauce. Okay, we've all heard Rush like a billion times. It's played on the fucking radio. It's in movies. It's on TV. It's in advertisements for things. Can we please stop? It's on radio shows. Radio talk show host like show hosts use it as bumper music. Okay. Pink Floyd is no fucking big secret. My grandmother had a copy of Dark Side of the Moon, and she was like, I have no use for CDs anymore. Do you want this? My fucking grandmother, and she was like 84 at the time or something. Can we, can we please stop pretending like this is like some sort of like secret knowledge? <laughs> okay, it's not that fucking amazing, and you're playing it the fuck out. There's lots of great music out there, and you're just limiting yourself to something that you think is so so like hipster. You're it, it being it's like being hipster about Britney Spears, twenty years late. I I, I don't understand why people like. An ACDC, come on, can we please admit they're yeah, they're fun, but they're completely overrated, and George Thurgood only sounds good after your eighth glass of beer at a bar? Can we please just get, Can we please just stop with this with this false narrative <laughs> that progressive rock is like, you know, God tier music? It's not. Alright. I'll admit that Tool is, but you know, outside of that, or and, and the Mars Volta, but outside of that, it's 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 getting played the fuck out. It really fucking is getting played the fuck out. Please. Um and celebritarians, man, they fucking they won't stop they won't shut the fuck up about rush. They just won't shut the fuck up about rush. And Jethro Tull. oh my god. Anyways, um so that's definitely very contentious. <laughs> It's only going downhill from here, folks. It's only going downhill from here. Um, let's see. Um, I've already talked about the nap and de- uh, and deontological ethics, and I'm going to briefly touch on what my what my problem is before I get into. The biggest point of contention, I think, that most libertarians have, um, and and yes, there is something far worse than the NAP and deontological ethics. So, deontological ethics, for those of you who don't know, there's basically, oh, not really. Uh, this is this is kind of a, a false dichotomy, but it kind of gives you an idea of what what the kind of schools kind of base one or the other on. It's kind of like the blank slate, or uh, it's kind of like you know tabula rasa, or you know. Um, whatever. Um, It's not really one or the other. There's usually some on the other, but for for the most part, a lot of them really falls directly on on two polar ends. So there's deontological ethics and there's consequentialist ethics. Uh, Deontological ethics is more about rules. Like you don't break this rule. You don't break this rule. You don't do this and you don't do that. Um, And it does not matter at all if you know, you can go back in time and kill baby Hitler. You still went back and killed baby Hitler and you shouldn't kill people because that, that violated the non-aggression principle. And the non-aggression principle is a deontological ethic. Uh, well uh, that, hold on. We'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Okay. But when we're talking about ethics as an ethical axiom, uh, when people use the NAP as an uh, ethical axiom, all right. Um, it would fall on the deontological uh, kind of uh, position as well, so, uh, as as would uh, universally preferable behavior, which uh, I'm not even going to bother wasting my time on because no one believes that shit anymore. Not even Molyneux fans believe that shit anymore. Not even, I don't even think Molyneux really believes it anymore. <laughs> I just think he does every once in a while to try to sell a book. Um, but, yeah, it's basically like these are rules and you should follow these rules regardless of of the outcome because the outcome does not matter what matters with deontological ethics is following a set of rules and sure in theory that it would it would it create better results but they're not concerned with that it do, like i said it doesn't matter if you hold up a liquor store you know if it turns out you know the liquor store it, you know is 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 bad or whatever, and they don't deserve the money that they were doing, or they were stealing it from other people or whatever and you, you know in the end it was a it was a net benefit for everybody um it doesn't matter you still shouldn't have done that um like another one would be the categorical imperative uh kant, and uh one of the criticisms that kant was was facing at the time was um you're like what if what if someone comes to your door and you know your family is up in the attic hiding and some, you know someone knocks on the door and says like where's your family I'm gonna go kill them he had in the categorical imperative like he was really uh insistent that people uh not lie and it's always wrong to lie no matter what and it would be wrong for you to lie to uh this 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 criminal even even if he's going to use that knowledge to hurt people or to hurt yourself etc uh that it's always wrong now the consequentialist side which you, as you can imagine it's not really worried about rules it's more worried about outcomes so they'll say so if they do end up having a rule it would be the here's why you don't want to do this because of this outcome, however, uh, if this outcome you know for a fact that this outcome is not going to happen, then by all means, um, because they're much more interested in the outcome of the effects, so they they would say like you don't want to do anything that would mur- uh, that would result in someone's untimely death, uh, especially if you know if you if you're not being harmed by this person, right? Um, because that would have a negative impact or whatever, but they're not really concerned about the rules, right? So you could, I mean, if, if you can, if you can go back in time and kill baby Hitler, I mean, at the time Hitler didn't do nothing wrong, but you could, you could prevent the deaths of 12 million people. Now I understand that, yeah, there's probably, you know, you're gonna trigger like a butterfly or chaos effect and uh, and you know something even worse could happen right down the line but um, that's kind of that's kind of the, the point that I'm making so the the nap follows that when you people used it as an ethical axiom um, which I have a problem with so as you can see like I'm not really too concerned i doesn't it, it if if people could if there's uh, if the, if people want for, okay, here's here's a, g- a good example, and this is the the most commonly used one, is that if I'm in the forest and I'm and like if I get stranded in the forest and I get lost in the forest or whatever, and uh, I'm just hiking around just trying to find somewhere like Blair Witch Project or something, and I just happen to stumble across a vacation cabin out in the middle of the woods, and I can look inside the window and see food in there and a telephone, I'm going to kick in that door and get eat the food and um, call someone for help right away. I would. And I would not care about their private property rights at all uh, until after the fact. And, of course, you know, I'm going to feel bad about doing that, and I'm going to probably, like, you know, come back and, you know, Pay for their broken door and their missing food, um, and you know some some a little bit more for for them feeling violated for for me entering their property, um, because at the end of the day, like I would have starved, and I have a pretty good feeling that they probably would not mind if, I'd, if I if I had done that uh, given my circumstances, um, but if you were to always take a strict non-aggression approach completely, you would say that it was wrong for you to do that. Period, and you shouldn't do that then it doesn't matter if you're going to die. It just doesn't matter. And that's why I have problems with it uh, as, as an ethical uh, axiom. Now, as a principle, as just kind of like a principle, like you, this is, this is the kind of rule that you ought to follow um, uh, in order to be kind of like a libertarian. It's not like a complete ethical axiom. And there are people who would say that the NAP is the only ethical axiom ever, which is wrong because... You can you can still say that, you know, maybe you shouldn't, you know, be a dick uh, to your maybe you shouldn't, you know, you know, like uh, just make crude comments to your coworkers. Right. That would be something I think a lot of people would agree with. But that doesn't violate the non-aggression principle. You know, and you can also make claims like, look, it's probably not a good idea to go into a a, to a biker bar and call the nearest biker a faggot. That'd be the probably one of the dumbest things you can do. And nobody in this entire world would give a goddamn, including nap advocates. None of them would give a goddamn whatsoever. If you got your ass kicked for doing that, you'd be like, "Brother, you're fucking stupid, you just don't do it. Um so, yeah, like there's that. But as as terms of like a one-sentence philosophy, uh, kind of a one-sentence libertarian philosophy, I also don't agree with, not not even from an ethical standpoint. Um, because if you're going to set law based on this non-aggression approach, uh, you're going to be running into some problems as well. And Friedman talks about this in this chapter. I think it's chapter four in the section called Problems and uh, the Machinery to Freedom. I highly suggest that you read this thing because I'm going to be parroting a lot from what he's talking about so if you were to say um, ethically and, and I've, I've talked to people about this a million times and I haven't found a single person who disagreed with disagreed with this uh, this particular point I think how it how it applies to other points is when people start getting off the train um, so that is when you have a revolver all right let's say that you had a revolver and you put um, uh, six bullets in the chamber and you spin the chamber and Pull the trigger against someone 's head, uh, and of course it 's going to fire because it 's got a six uh, you know it 's got a it, it, a one out of one chance it 's going to fire right it 's highly unlikely that 's going to uh, fire, so pretty much one to one chance that 's going to fire. you'd say like oh yeah that 's definitely bad. Well, what if I took out half of the bullets, spin the chamber, and fired it well like no that 's still bad because you 're still putting them at risk right Well, what if we put just one bullet in the chamber still a problem. Well, what if we had uh, a revolver with that could take like a hundred rounds and I put one bullet in the chamber? How about a billion rounds? How about a trillion rounds so on and so on and so on and so on. You could say that okay that's that 's not good uh, because you 're still putting people at risk and we would say that when you put when you 're putting people at risk voluntarily putting people at risk you know that they didn 't ask for you 're putting them at risk and um even if even if it 's one out of a billion chance its still it still would be a violation of the non aggression principle. Well, how does that not also apply to driving an automobile and I understand there 's a difference between a gun uh, which is devised to shoot and fire a bullet and kill something or at least inflict a mass casualty on something versus a car but if we 're talking about putting people at risk, whether that risk is from uh, an, an, an an object that is meant to transport or kill it doesn't really matter if we're still putting people at risk and especially at a much higher risk than a billion uh than a revolver with a billion rounds and only one bullet in the chamber um, so you can kind of see like where where i'm where I'm kind of going with this uh it's it would be unethical for you to drive your car in a completely Uh, You know, libertarian society where it's it's completely like no, we need to follow the NAP to the rule. Everything that violates the non-aggression principle is because you can make the case that driving a car puts all kinds of pedestrians and other motorists on the road at um, at at a very high risk of getting hit. In fact, in Vegas, it's it's one it's it's a big thing out here um, where people are. Pedestrians are constantly getting hit at crosswalks uh, constantly, Uh, and they keep spending like all kinds of government money on like these big, expensive crosswalks where, you know, it's got the big flashing lights and it's got the at the at the uh, at the center of the road. They have to start walking towards the other side of the traffic so that way they can see if oncoming cars are coming and then press a button again. And that causes all kinds of blinking lights. Still, people are getting hit at these things. Still, people are getting hit by these things all of the time. And if you're going to be putting people at risk driving your car, you know, that 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 should be a violation of the non-aggression principle. And you ought not do it. Uh, It should be illegal to do it. I think that's completely um, that you can make you can make a legal framework if that's going to be the laws. Don't 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 aggress. Um, That's you're going to get yourself into a lot of kind of legal uh, trouble with that. Um uh, sorry nicotine break again. Um so the other part problem is is that if we're going to have this rule that's uh that you sh- or this law that that cannot be broken um even if the consequences don't matter um which that's what it would be it would not matter uh, through the consequences it, it only matters that you're violating someone's property rights period. Um if so take take the the death the the the, <clears throat> the death ray argument. So what is a death ray exactly? It's 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 a, it's a device that fires large amounts of protons at a particular thing, like the, a certain high frequency and high intensity of light that uh, will burn things or kill people, right? Now, if I were to be sitting in my private property and fire photons, these photons at your house uh and set your house on fire, you could say that that's a violation of your property. And it's not because there was damage caused by your property, it's because I without your consent v- trespassed photons into your property at your house. Period. Um and that would say that it, w- it would be the same if I if I had a death ray and I only turned it on ten percent, so it just it just kind of lightly scathed your house, or maybe caused like an influx of radiation that may later cause. Um, um, what's the term? Like radiation sickness or whatever whatever kind of thing that may maybe turn you into the Hulk from the gamma rays. I don't know. You could say that that would be a violation, okay? Well, what if I had a really bright spotlight, like the kind of spotlight that you would signal Batman from, right? And I shine that in your window and no matter what kind of, you know, day blinders that you put on there, you would say like, well, that's violating my property because you're still sending, the, you're trespassing those photons. Well, what if it's just a flashlight or what if it's just ambient light that's coming out of my house that's visible onto your property? It's still sending passing those photons onto your property. Um, if I can't go outside and smoke a cigarette because some of that pollution uh, may go onto your property. Now, sure, there wouldn't be much of a um, you know there wouldn't be there wouldn't be much of a lawsuit that would come from that. I mean, you could sue someone for doing that in the in this society where they have a, a legal uh, issue with uh, violations of property rights. Full right. Right. Um, And you were to try to take them to court and say, like, you know, he he damaged me because I could see a candle from his window and those were sending photons over to my house that I did not consent to. The judge would be like, all right, uh, well, I'm not going to award you any damages because it didn't cause you any damage, you know, and your emotional damage. I could give a shit about, you know, you fucking snowflake. But at the same time, he's still breaking the law. He's still violating the property rights of someone else and that now you're going to end up having to do like these – Convoluted legal contracts every time you buy property with all of your neighbors or uh, with the person who is responsible for the deed restricted areas to say, okay, so you can smoke on your property, but you can't, uh, you can smoke cigarettes on your property, you can smoke marijuana on your property, you can smoke heroin on your property, you can't burn a tire because that produces way too much soot and will cause property damage. Uh, you can't, you can't, you can have a candle visible from your, and it would, all the things that would have to be stipulated in a legal contract would be nearly impossible for anyone to find. I mean, if you see some of the contracts that people sign today, you know, with all the fine print and all the bullshit that no one reads, like even the basic EULA, no one fucking reads. What do you think the EULA is going to look like when every single thing is going to be taken into account <laughs> in terms of the non-aggression principle that are minor uh, infractions at best uh, or at worst, I guess? Um all the way down to completely benign violations of the non-aggression principle that need to be stipulated in contract to say that it's okay for you to do or that it's not okay for you to do. There's no way you could possibly keep a hold of all this stuff. I think the non-aggression principle is a great rule of thumb, but it should also be kind of taken with a grain of salt when it comes to things that don't have negative outcomes. And again, this is where I come back into consequentialism and say, I think the consequentialist approach to, uh, to to libertarianism is a it's a far more rational kind of thing because you know who really gives a shit if everything isn't if everything is pure like I don't really care if I live in a very pure libertarian society at the end of the day so much so that if my the outcome of my living is going to be better if I have you know something that maybe not completely pure libertarianism uh, sure maybe no state definitely no state I don't I don't think a state is even Possible for human freedom and <laughs> possible to exist with human freedom at the same time. Uh, it's just not going to happen. But, um, you know, if maybe if I lived in a, a specific area that maybe had some sort of like community safety social net that we are all kind of required to pay, Maybe. Maybe if, if 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 that if that were the case, if that was to be like uh, a more preferable society for everybody to live in, then that would be then that would be the society that I live in. I don't know if that's the case because that's an experiment we haven't tried yet. However, uh, I don't think it will. But if I if I knew that it would, I would not care about my quote unquote mob principles. I would not care. At the end of the day, I'm much more interested in. Um, in the well-being of others and the outcomes of uh, uh outcomes of these uh situations more than anything else and um it's pretty much where i stand in the nap i think i think i may have actually elaborated more in this episode which i wasn't what i was trying to do like I've, I've elaborated on it before um but i think this is yeah, okay all right so we got that done we only have one more thing left and this is this is where this is where people are going to unsubscribe to me this is where people are going to unsubscribe to me and I'm and I'm and I'm genuinely scared. And you know, like I, I know I've been muting these out, but um I'm sorry I have to do it because I need to to calm my nerves and I need to get some nicotine in me to calm my nerves a little bit. Because this is this is this is a fucking hot take, guys. Some fucking serious hot take action right here. I don't even want to put this in the description of this. But um pineapple on pizza ain't that bad guys it's really not that bad I think you guys are way overblowing how bad pineapple is there are far worse toppings that people put on their pizza in fact I was even talking to someone today about how they went to a pizza or looking up a pizza place and they had fucking almonds on there people want to put Pineapple on their pizzas, and you don't like it, then just don't fucking eat it. Pineapple is fucking amazing. Okay, I'm maybe not on pizzas, but it's fucking amazing. Have you ever just sat down and just just worked on fucking pineapple? Not pineapple out of a can. I'm talking about fresh pineapple, where you just cut it open and eat it. It's fucking amazing. And if you go to Hawaii, it's fucking exponentially better. It's 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 so fucking amazing. I fucking love pineapple. Now. I I am not the kind of person who gets pineapple pizza. I do not order pineapple pizza, with one exception, and I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I will not order it if it's there. If if someone, if I'm at work and they have like a big pizza party and they have different types of pizza, and you know they have pineapple and they have a supreme over here and they have this over there and this over there, and then there just happens to be a ham and pap, uh, pineapple. Uh, that would be the one that I would least go to. Uh, There's one more I think that I would least go to is anything with fucking olives in it. Olives are my pineapple. Black olives are my pineapple. Green olives, I've had green olives on pizza and that was surprisingly good. But black olives, I do enjoy black olives a little bit um the canned kind um, i mean when you get into like the the more mediterranean black olives and those are fucking amazing you can put those on a pizza i'll be okay with that but just regular black olives are fucking foul on pizza they just it just does not work it just it's a culinary clash that just does does not ex- deserve to to exist on this planet but that's okay and pineapple isn't no I disagree. I disagree full-heartedly. Leave pineapple people pizza people alone. Just just ignore them. They're they're fine. I will make one exception. There has been one pineapple pizza that I have been like hooked on and it's a particular kind and I don't really think that it completely qualifies as you know as as a pizza snob would definitely probably would would start to argue like maybe this is not technically pizza uh and that is the maui Zowie from round table and that's because they don't use pizza sauce uh they use like this the certain kind of like citrusy fruity sauce in it um and they and there's like all kinds of other stuff on there like bacon and 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 and, and sausage and and onions uh both kinds uh, you know, green onions and, and red onions and, you know, a little bit of pineapple. But for the most part of that Polynesian sauce, I don't know what it is. It doesn't, it doesn't taste fruity. That's not the right term for it. But it's definitely like there's some definite citrus and pineapple in the sauce itself. So And the it is it is just a fucking masterpiece. I even tell, pe- tell people, like, if you hate pineapple pizza, you actually may really like this, but it is very much an exception to the rule and not the rule itself. I would never order a ham and pepperoni uh, – ha- ham and pineapple pizza. Ham and pepperoni maybe. Ha- ham and p- uh, pineapple pizza I would never order. Um, maybe if I was, like, really drunk, <laughs> maybe, and ha- i just regret it. But I just don't. I just don't get the hate for pineapple. It's not that fucking bad. I don't know what everybody's uh, problem is. And this one seems to get the more hate than than anchovies, which I would say would be more should be more contentious, shouldn't it? Because it's 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 just fishy salt. It, it, like the flavor is very fishy and very salty. Two flavors that some people just don't really dig on. I, however, find it fucking amazing. In fact, I would argue that the best pizza combination by far, if you can find a place that can do both, fucking tell me where this is, so that if I ever visit, I can I know where to go. But it's definitely salami and anchovy. It's 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 by far the best the best pizza ever. And every time I order it, the guy at the the guy usually the guy at the pizza place goes like, "That is the most interesting combination of p- toppings ever." I absolutely have to try it. And the next time I go there, they were, they would go like, that was fucking amazing. Why aren't more people ordering this combination? I'm serious. Like it's, it's so bizarre that no one's ever thought of putting those two together. And when they do, it's, it's, it's a fucking, it's a whirlwind of emotions for the, for the positive. If you don't like anchovies on your pizza, you are wrong. If you are going to Hate on people who put pineapple on their pizza, but not – and then you're one of those people who hate on people who put pineapple on their pizza, but not anchovies. I don't get it. This has to be purely like a bullshit meme. I don't buy for a second that you believe this nonsense at all. I think secretly – honestly, I think secretly that when someone does order a ham and pepperoni uh, pineapple pizza, that you want to eat it. You want to eat it, but you just don't want to deal with the stigma of being the guy who eats pineapple on their pizza. You you you're basically a you're basically a pizza cuck is what it is at the end of the day. And I know, I, I think this is what's gonna get me the most amount of hate mail out of everything. I mean, I I went after the non aggression principle, but pineapple on pizza? How fucking dare you, Jim? How fucking dare you? No, fuck you. Let people have their pineapple, right? Let people have their pineapple and keep your fucking black olives out of the Supreme. Just keep it out. Nobody wants that garbage anyway. All right? It's a fucking joke. Now, I think the big debate is, do I want to go through some of the Amazon purchases? Um, I think I do. I need to pause it for a second to kind of get an idea of when I last did one of these things, so I can set the date right. So um, uh, I'm going to take a, uh, a hit of my vape and uh, of my mouth fedora, and then I'm going to go into. <laughs> and then I'm going to go into some of the things uh, people bought on Amazon during the last period. I don't think we've done it. We haven't done it since uh, Jeremy was on. Not this last time, but the time before. So, ooh, we've got a while. We've got a few episodes where we skipped over. So. And some of these I'm going to fly right through because I think a lot of them were combination orders, that I think were pretty interesting. So uh, you don't have to sit tight because it's going to be instant as soon as I hit stop. So uh, I'll be right back. All right. So let's get into this. Um, So there's a lot of interesting things. So we have um, uh, four foot... What is it? Four foot, uh, four foot, forty five watt extendable utility LED light, LED shop light, workbench. Blah 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 blah. It's basically like a, a you know those those neon lights that you see. Uh, except you know you can kind of fix them up yourself, but their uh, LED is pretty neat. Um, a wireless access point, uh, ubiquity, Unify, Light. I don't know, man. These these things are weird. Someone bought crush it uh, and how <laughs> I think I know who bought this though uh, crushing it how to uh, how great entrepreneurs build their businesses and influence and how you can too by the way I own this book I'm like halfway through it I just haven't had a lot of time to get dig down and and read this thing, but it's a fucking fantastic book. It's written by Gary Vaynerchuk, who is uh, people kind of wrongly kind of put him in as a motivational speaker. He does kind of motivationally ish stuff, but a lot of his content is trying to motivate you uh, into, into starting, you know, doing what you want to do in terms of your business and giving you really good advice on how to execute on that and telling you a lot of the pitfalls people fall into uh, when it comes to, marketing and promoting your goods, goods and services. Very valuable book. I really enjoy it. And I really kind of like Gary V style. Cause he, he's, he's, he's on a, he, you know, he cusses, <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck and he'll straight up tell you like, yeah, you're a fucking loser. You're doing it fucking wrong. And here's why. Um, so he's, he's not, he's not like a Tony Robbins. And I, I someone ended up when I posted like a picture of, of this book, like, Oh, look what just came in my Amazon locker. Um, <laughs> people are like oh no it's come to this like you really must be down on down on your luck it's like no it's not a motivational thing it's it's really kind of like business you know biz dev and business strategies for b2c and b2b co- uh, companies and how how they can use social media for like free advertising and stuff it's it's kind of an interesting read highly highly recommend it uh the best of mad libs i believe this is an audio book. I believe the thrust of the vial. I have no idea what that is. I know what, what uh, Mad Libs. Are. Oh, okay. So this is an album. <laughs> I don't know what this is. The Waltons thrust of the vial. Uh, someone bought it on CD. Interesting. People are buying CDs. Um, I have a feeling that might be uh, some kind of tech journalist who uh, may have been using my, um, my uh, link. Let's see. Vising all day comfort. <laughs> Uh, point five fluid ounces. So someone had to buy some Visine. I wonder why, man. Um, a polarized handy outlet plug. What the heck is this? Um, looks like something for a light socket. Or no? Oh, I see. You screw it into a light socket, and it, and it gives you like a um, so you can pl- so you can plug in like a regular plug into into a light socket. That's kind of neat. Shugu would repair. Adhesive for fixing worn shoes. I used to use this all the time when I used to skate. Um, then, yeah. So, someone is really into chess because, uh, they bought a, um, a chess clock and game timer. I think I know who bought that as well. Um, uh, X Rocker 4.1 Pro Series Pedestal Wireless Game Chair. And, um, and oh boy, is that is that is that quite a chair? That looks pretty. It looks like it looks like a car seat for your house. It looks super comfortable. Um, if I had two hundred dollars to drop on a chair, I'd drop it. <laughs> uh, so someone bought like a hundred foot Ethernet cable from Media Bridge. Johnny B Mode Styling Gel seems to be coming up a lot lately. People are buying pomades and and hair gels and stuff. I think they're just doing it because they know that I'm that I'm bald, and so they're trying to rub it in. Uh, pun intended. IO Gear Bluetooth USB Micro Adapter, Um, and this okay, it's just a little adapter for Bluetooth. A scrubbing broom head with natural stiff wrestling fibers. Okay, someone needs to do some sweeping. A uh, professional quality nickel plated three point five millimeter male to female stereo audio cable extension cable. I think I probably need one of those for uh, doing audio commentary for movies again. Um, a uh, Okay, so this, this is part of a, of a bunch of things. So I'm going to kind of select it carefully. So is this safety pins? Okay, that's not it. So someone bought safety pins, but that's not related. So someone bought a... Um, Three volt one amp AC power adapter to wait no that's not that's not it so someone oh it's it's just some sort of AC adapter with a five point five slash two point one millimeter plug that's not what I thought it was my bad carrying on go do it for people who always wanted to start a business oh well, this looks interesting I guess uh, someone read the Gary V book and wanted more it's an audio book Jeremy Harbour, Chris Dyer and an Audible Studios publisher. Okay, I may have to check that one out. And again, someone's still into chess. I bet it's the same order. Premium tournament chess set combo with natural pieces, navy blue. I wonder if that's good. I've, I've been meaning to get... No, uh, this looks like a portable thing. I, I want to get like a nice chess set just to have. Uh, I never, it hasn't really been a while since I've... Uh, Delve into that. Twenty pieces, dip PC mount, five pins, three point five millimeter socket, headphone and stereo audio. jack. Oh, I think if someone's trying to is someone trying to hack their phone to attack their iPhone to try to get it to be a three point five headphone jack again. If you figure out how to do this, let me know because I know some people who might be interested in doing that. <laughs> All right. So what is this one? Um, someone bought some uh, some iPhone. So these are like the old iPhone uh, iPod uh, jacks to USB, and they bought a two pack of th- th- a three foot two pack, two pack. Um, oh, so I have I have another page. Holy crap! People went crazy. Um, stiff bristle cordless uh, drill powered spinning h- scrubbing brush, a uh, an output cord. I don't know what I don't know what this is. Okay, so it's an audio cord. UXL SET 013 blah blah blah. M1M uh 3.5 output cord split core current transformer 60 amp 1 volt. I I don't know what this is. <laughs> but it looks like it goes into an audio jack into a big blue plastic thing. Uh someone bought a brush OCDE. Professional heavy-duty deck scrubber, and it's only got three uh, – not even – it's got two and a half stars. So um, that might be a return later. We'll see. Uh, Apple iPod dock 30-pin connector to USB cable. So someone bought yet another USB cable to iPod adapter. All right. So then we have uh, some BBs, um, zinc-plated BBs. Um I think it's for a BB gun or an airsoft gun. Someone's going to do some damage. Maybe we got some rodents. Uh, then we have a network router. Looks like about, yeah. I guess. Ubiquity Networks Network Router. Under Okay, this one's great. I already saw this one earlier. <laughs> so this is a um, Under Armour's Men Copter T-shirt. And it's a yellow T-shirt with a uh, gray helicopter on it. And I don't know what that means. Moving along. Uh, Then we have a chess games scorebook for 50 games, 100 moves and diagrams. Someone really likes chess. The best chess set ever. This is what it says. The best chess chess set ever. Uh, Because I guess it comes with the best strategy guide ever. Um, It doesn't look that great, but I bet it's probably a far more functional uh, for someone who's probably learning how to play or something. All right. So this is a combination of things. Um, and then there's a few other things and we'll wrap up, but I think this one's really interesting. So this is a, um, by all means, try to guess what this person is trying to build. Okay. <clears throat> so they bought a, uh, uh, where's I'm going to make sure I get all of this stuff going. Okay. So they bought a, 5-volt, 2.5, 3-amp power supply adapter uh, micro-USB charger. Then they bought a a Raspberry Pi 3 Model B motherboard. And then they bought a case, which looks like a Nintendo. A Burl's, or no, sorry, an NES case functional power and reset button. That looks awesome, and it's 20 bucks. I probably might get one of those. Yeah, someone's building a RetroPie system. By the way, I have one. I have two, actually. I have, I have one that I have for virtually every console system ever, except for Intellivision. And then I have one that's just for Intellivision, which I have the actual, like, not actual, but uh, reproduction um, Intellivision uh, controllers hooked up just for, just for Intellivision only. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, so have have a lot, whole lot of fun with that. Uh, someone bought a 30-ounce double-wall stainless steel vacuum-sealed travel mug. It's like, looks kind of neat. It's got a metal straw. Um, oh, I guess this is part of it, too. Oh, someone bought a, a Raspberry Pi brushless cooling fan for uh, for their Raspberry Pi. I don't know if you're going to need that and you know maybe maybe if you're going to try to overclock it and try to get it to play crisis i don't understand why <laughs> you need that to play nintendo games um so I, i've i've noticed that like in, unless you have like a really good power supply unless you're doing the high like the the 5 volt uh supplies if you're using like a lower wattage supply for for uh the raspberry pi like it lags hard on super nintendo so um yeah okay uh then we have Oh, someone bought more chess stuff. A wholesale chess, advanced digital chess, and game timer with bonus delay. Um, I already said that one. Uh, let's see. Cuntsway Lighting Cord. I think that's for. Cuntsway Lighting T5TA LED, two power cords, four foot cable. Three wire, uh, chips wire connector with pl- uh, US plug, four foot. So I think that's for the uh, the lights that they're going to be hanging up. And last but probably least, a JK, Sef- uh, JK, S- JK Safe- Safety 9 Pockets Class 2 High Visibility Zipper Front Safety Vest with rep- uh, reflective strips, HQ, breathable mesh, it's it's basically like a crosswalk uniform, but instead of getting the the yellow that they normally wear, uh, this one's gray because life is gray. So, anyways, I hope this was very much informative. Um, not very. Jeez, uh, I spent like almost another twenty minutes just on the Amazon purchases. <laughs> so, someone's probably thinking, uh, I don't know, whatever. I had a whole lot of fun doing this episode I was actually kind of fearing it for a while But I was like you know what I'm just going to crack down and do it And if I don't like it I can just record it uh, And this was basically take two uh, The first take was just basically me trying to get through the, the intro uh, And fucking up the joke um, And then starting over But the, yeah it worked pretty good Paused a few times for some, some Nick breaks But uh, for sure um, this is a whole lot of fun. So if you do disagree with me, by 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 all means, let me know. I'm, I'm definitely interested in having a conversation because, I, like I said, I'm much more interested in the ideas that I'm talking about here. I'm not trying to be a contrarian, and I'm not trying to be mean, and I'm very much open to be proven wrong, uh, which is why I ended up on these positions in the first place. Because I ended up probably, chances are, I probably ended up agreeing with you, depending on what you what what, what topic we were talking about um, and, and what side of the. Debate. Debate you were on. I probably uh, agreed with you at one particular point, but it was because I went out and tried to look for criticisms of it and found valuable pieces of criticism that I started kind of reeling back from some of those positions and and finding positions I thought were more intellectually sound uh, or logically sound or empirically sound. So I definitely would be interested in having conversations with people who disagree with me. Um, Let me know. You know how to get a hold of me. There's plenty of different ways, Uh, the least of which is Facebook, which, seriously, fuck Facebook. Fuck Facebook. I'm so over Facebook. (laughs) Uh, But I'm still on there just to kind of promote stuff, but that's pretty much it. So anyways, thanks for listening. And... um, um, trying to think, there's maybe some things that I'm. For, oh, um, I, yeah, like I said, I I have aprons that um Steve Miller Miller sent me. I'm still thinking of a contest, so be prepared. I'm going to be announcing a contest so you can get your own non-aggress the cook, uh, apron. Um, there's oh, and we have the new logo T-shirt uh, in the Teespring store. Uh, that'd be store.loberts.com Open bazaar is back in business, but only with Bitcoin cash only. Yes, I understand Bitcoin cash sucks. I agree. But uh, I'm, I know you're not going to pay the, the Bitcoin transaction, regular Bitcoin transaction fees. Um, <sighs> anything else? Nope. Anyways, I'll wrap this up. So thank you, Jim, for coming on. Oh, I didn't mind. It was a whole lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Anyways, I'll talk to you guys later. Hail Satan.